Mark chapter 4. This is the word of the Lord. Verses 21 through 34. He said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put, in a, put under a basket or under a bed and not under a or not on a stand, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the year. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it to a sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can I compare the kingdom of God? What, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground, it is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up to be, and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, and they were able to hear it, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. I remember seeing the front page of a newspaper that went out in early 2020, where they covered the death of basketball legend Kobe Bryant. Certainly newsworthy of first page. But as you see on the left-hand side, a much smaller news article highlighted the fact that America had registered its first five cases of the novel coronavirus. It is interesting to see how both stories developed over time. As important as as important a role as Kobe's death played in our society, it certainly and it clearly uh, became obscured and eclipsed by the development of COVID-19 and all other events associated with it. But who knew that at that point? Sometimes we miss the obvious that is right in front of our face, and as we're going to see it in our text today, that was certainly the case with the kingdom of God at its inception. But the kingdom of God will one day fill the earth as the gospel is proclaimed and as the hearts of many are changed. The kingdom of God is the will of God in the hearts of his people. And his will enters the hearts of those 
who are his as they hear the gospel and respond with repentance and faith. Mark 1.15, perhaps the thesis of this entire book, Jesus proclaims the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. For the first time since Mark 1.15, we hear in these parables that we're seeing, and in the parable that we saw last week, <clears throat> a mention of the kingdom of God. It is true that the kingdom of God is born in the hearts of those who receive Christ by faith. But the kingdom of God manifests itself in a physical way as Jesus transforms lives through his teaching and through his power. This was the kingdom of God 2,000 years ago. This is the kingdom of God today. And the primary way that Jesus drove his truths into the hearts of his disciples, the primary way in which Jesus taught his disciples about the mysteries of the kingdom was through parables. A parable is a story or an illustration or a metaphor that draws a comparison between a common reality that is relatable to the listener and a deeper spiritual insight from the teacher. Parables are sometimes designed to instruct in the truth. But parables can also be designed to conceal the truth. At times, the same parable will do both. As we have seen the distinction between the insiders and the outsiders in the Gospel of Mark. Parables can leave us puzzled. What does Jesus mean? But parables always leave us awestruck by the wisdom of Christ. Today we consider a compilation of Jesus' parables. We'll briefly look at three of his parables. So as we start, let us consider the kingdom of God being on display. The kingdom of God is on display. The first parable we're considering today, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a lamp. Lamps are some of the most common ancient artifacts that archaeologists find. In the time of Jesus, a lamp would commonly be made out of clay. It would be filled with oil with an opening where a floating wick would sit on the oil as the lamp burns and lights up the room. If you can envision perhaps the lamp of the genie stories, right? That you rub the lamp and a genie comes out of it, right? Where the genie comes out of, that's where the wick would sit. And inside the lamp, that's where the oil Sits. That's the shape of a lamp, different than a lamp we would think today, different than a candle as well. Without electricity, of course, this lamp would be the main source of 
lighting for an ancient Palestine home. The purpose of a lamp is to shine, to shine its light throughout the house. So in this parable, Jesus is appealing to common sense. You don't light a lamp and hide it under a basket or under a bed. That's not smart. It's not even safe. So just as a lamp, in order to fulfill its purpose, must be on display, the kingdom of God fulfills its purpose when, we, when it's on display. Kingdom of God fulfills its purpose when it's on display. Perhaps some of you this week stayed out to watch the launch of Artemis 1, an unmanned rocket aimed at the moon. Now, I have little kids, so I don't get up at 1.47 a.m. for anything unless I have to. So I didn't see it, but I saw the pictures. But if you are out up at 1.47 a.m. this past Wednesday, there is no way you could have missed it. Folks all over central Florida, all the way to southwest Florida, saw the bright lights. It was like it was morning for a brief moment. Friends, this is how the kingdom of God is. It finds its purpose when it shines brightly in the night sky. In the midst of darkness, Jesus says, it must be manifest. It must not be kept hidden in mystery. It must be brought out to the open. But how is the kingdom of God put on display? Well, the kingdom of God is put on display through its king, Christ. Christ is the light that is not to be hidden under a basket or a bed. In the original language in this passage, the light is actually the subject of the sentence, and it actually comes preceded by a definite article. So here is how a better translation for this verse should read. Thus, the light, thus the light come in, to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand. Christ is the light that comes into the world. He is the light, the light that leads those who are in darkness into his kingdom. A verse that we're going to consider significantly in the weeks ahead is Isaiah 9:2. This is a prophetic verse of the come for the coming of Christ. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has the light shone. Christ dissipates darkness with the light of his kingdom. But he does that for a purpose. He dissipates darkness so that the lost may be found. 
Friends, we don't find God in our natural darkened state. We are the people who walk, who walked in darkness. His glory is naturally hidden from us, concealed from us. The natural human condition is one of confusion about who God is. The natural human condition is one of confusion about the purpose of life and about morality. But God meets us in our darkness and gives us the light of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of, of, of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, though you may not think of yourself as lost and blind and in darkness, you are. Whatever purpose or direction you have in life, you have come up with it yourself. You are looking within yourself for direction. But your inner self, friend, is darkened by your sin. From birth, we have learned to live selfishly. From birth, we have been taught to build our own kingdom so we must not look within but we must look for the light of god in christ but this light of god in christ also shines through us the kingdom of god is also put on display through its citizens the church just as we saw last week that Jesus is the first sower, but his disciples must follow his example. Just as Jesus is the lamp, the same light of Christ must shine through us. Ephesians 5.8 For at one time you were darkness. That is true of all of us. But now you are light in the Lord. You see, the light is not original of us, but by virtue of being united with Christ, we shine His light. Walk, therefore, right, because of the light of Christ, walk, therefore, as children of light. Did you hear that? You are light in the Lord. This is how it works. Christ is like the sun. Okay, this is just a metaphor. Christ is like the sun, and, and light emanates from Him. Okay, We are like the moon. Light is not native to us, but as we see the light of Christ, we reflect the light of Christ to a world in darkness. Matthew 6, 5.16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so that... They may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Kingdom work is evangelistic and missional. At the heart of, king, of the kingdom is 
at the heart at the at the heart of the kingdom, the work of the kingdom is made manifest through us. We shine the light of God on others and cause them to give glory to God. If the world lives in darkness, they have the hope of seeing Christ in us. But now notice what Jesus says in verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Remember what we said last week. The message of the kingdom is received by hearing. But hearing means hear and heed. Trust and obey. A natural outwork of hearing with faith is walking in light. Again, in verse 24, Jesus says, pay attention to what you hear. He is emphasizing the hearing of the word. Romans 10, 17, so, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is why, friends, at Central Baptist Church, we're very careful with the preaching of the word. We believe that preaching of the word builds the kingdom of God. This is why when we preach, we prioritize precision over personality it is the word of christ that you need and not the word of man we believe that the kingdom of god will continually be built in this place as god's word is proclaimed faithfully This is why we seek to preach expository sermons, where the point of the sermon is the point of the text. We don't walk around wondering what theme we should preach to the church on Sunday. No, the text determines what the church needs. All we do is think of how to explain and apply that text to our lives. Why? Here's why. Because if you get the text that is being preached, and if the preaching is faithfully explaining the text, you get the message of the kingdom. You get the words of Christ. And isn't that what we need? To whom shall we go? If it is Christ who holds the words of eternal life. So in verse 24, Jesus says, Pay attention. Pay attention to the word. Why? <clears throat> he answers this question with a Hebrew idiom, with a cultural expression. He says, because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. What does this mean? This means that the more we give ourselves to the hearing and heeding of the word of God, the more kingdom benefits we receive. Friends, the preaching of the word has two active participants, the preacher and the listener. Jesus is calling us to receive his word with joy, with gladness, with openness. At times, we can feel tired. At times, we can feel 
discouraged. At times, we can feel bored or distracted. But as the listener, it is your job to persevere. Persevere in paying attention to the Word of God. Because this Word is building the kingdom of God in your heart. One of the reasons why we provide outlines for you every Sunday is to help you stay engaged and receive the Word of God. This is why also on our church website we have our sermon schedule. So that you can consider the text that will be preached ahead of time and come prepared on Sunday morning. Friends, at times we can also feel defensive, can't we? At times, we can think, you can't say that. You don't have the right to say that. But if the preacher is rightly explaining the word of God, we need to put off our pride and listen. We need to put our guards down and know that if the word is being preached rightly, it is God who is speaking to us through His Word. So listen to the Word receptively. Would you be surprised if throughout your life, the Word of God confronted you in areas of your life that need to be changed? Why, do we, why should we be surprised about that? On the contrary, friends, when we receive the Word, receive knowing that God is at work in us. And we must grow. We must grow in holiness, in love, in patience. The Word of God often confronts us in our brokenness and in our sinfulness. So when we are rebuked, we should rejoice. The Lord is at work in us, teaching us to forsake our kingdom and to embrace His Let's consider now our second parable. Let's consider the kingdom of God is fruitful. Now, Jesus introduces a new parable. He returns to an agrarian theme. Jesus loves the agrarian theme. It was a very common theme uh, for the people uh, around him at his time. Again, he talks about a seed and a sower. There are many parallels between this parable and the parable from last week. But the focus here is not on the ground. As the parable of the sower last week focused on where the seed landed. The focus here is on the fruit that the seed produces. This seed that he scatters grows. It sprouts. It falls on good ground. The fruit begins slowly showing. First the blade, as we sang this morning, then the year, then the grain, until it's fully ripe and ready to be harvested. The fruit represents those who receive the message, the message of the kingdom. Now what Jesus emphasizes here is that the sower... Those of us who share the message of the gospel are called to both work hard and rest hard. 
the sower sows the seed, God has appointed that his kingdom be built on uh, as the citizens of his kingdom share the message of the kingdom. And how hard should we work sharing this message? Well, how hard do sowers work? If you've ever worked on a field, you know the answer. Very hard. This is how hard we should work on sharing the gospel. The English Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exhortions, and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. That's hard work. That's hard work in evangelism. Friends, we can't be dismissive of the importance and priority of evangelism. We can't be a part of the kingdom and neglect our universal function as ambassadors of this kingdom. If we believe the gospel, why don't we share it? Sure, evangelism comes with great fear and insecurities. I understand that. But it is our very weakness that God uses to exalt himself. So if you're a weak evangelist, God can use you much. God could have appointed his message to go out in many different ways. He could open up the curtains of heaven and tell his angels to verbally proclaim it once a year. But he doesn't do that. He could spell it out on the clouds once a month, but he doesn't do that. God entrusts the message of the gospel to us, frail human beings. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. We are the jars of clay. The treasure is the gospel. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. It would be puzzling to us that God would entrust us with the message of the gospel. But he has a purpose. Since we are frail, since we are jars of clay, since we're filled with fears and insecurities, since we are not too eloquent, and yet the gospel bears fruit, the proclamation of the gospel finds its purpose, the whole world is able to see that the proliferation of the gospel, gospel happens not because we have great evangelists and great preachers. The world is able to see that the gospel spreads through the world because God is powerful and not us. We share the message, but God produces the results. So friend, if you are utterly inadequate to share the gospel, you're exactly right. You are, if you think you are utterly inadequate to share the gospel, you're exactly right. If you feel weak, poorly equipped, fearful, you're right. Because we endeavor in evangelism knowing that we are diving into a mission that we ourselves can't accomplish. But God can. 
And here is where the power of evangelism lies. Notice what the sower does once he scatters the seed, once he works hard. Verse 27, he sleeps. He sleeps as the seed grows. And he doesn't even know how the seed grows. He works hard, but he rests hard. The spiritual result of evangelism is completely up to God. God is the one who causes the blind to see. He is the one who has the power of resurrection over the dead. He is the one who gives understanding to the darkened mind. 1 John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So what does this mean? This means, or this should be a reminder for us to preach the gospel and go to sleep. Work and rest. Work and trust. Meaning obey the Lord by scattering the message of the gospel and trust that the Lord will produce the fruits at the right time according to His wisdom. You know, it's often misleading to say that so-and-so led so-and-so to Christ because sometimes God can use one person, right, to, to reveal the mysteries of the gospel. But more often than not, than not, what happens is someone hears the gospel in many different ways. And at a point, they see the glory of God in the face of Christ and they respond. So we should share the gospel and leave the results up to God. At times we can feel discouraged because we don't see the fruit of evangelism. But when the grain is ripe, the harvest will come. We'll reap the fruit according to his wisdom. Don't grow weary of doing good. Perhaps you've prayed for someone to come to Christ for a long time. Keep praying. Keep working in the Lord and keep resting in the Lord. Friends, perhaps these words are bringing you to conviction. Perhaps you're hearing me say things about evangelism but you can't even remember the last time you shared the gospel with someone. Let me be frank. To neglect evangelism is sinful. It is to disobey the commandments of our Lord Jesus Christ. To neglect evangelism is not any different than to neglect other spiritual disciplines, Bible reading, church attendance. Reject evangelism is a, the rejection of evangelism is a rejection of Christ's great commission. If you have neglected evangelism, let me encourage you to do this. Confess your sin and ask God to change your heart. Ask God to put a desire, a drive, a faith that is compelling, that will lead you to incessantly share the gospel. That's what we must be doing. Friends, there are many of us here who would help you. Maybe what you need to do today is say, I don't know how to do this. 
I don't know how to evangelize. And if you want to grow in evangelism, come talk to me. I would love to help you grow in that. Another person in our church that you can talk to who is daily seeking for opportunities of evangelism is Donnie Lag, who leads our missions committee. Go talk to Donnie and tell Donnie, Donnie, can you help me become a better evangelist? And I promise you, you will make Donnie's day if you say that. Many among us can help you in this crucial area of your Christian life. What I've learned over time in evangelism is that when we pray that the Lord will open up evangelistic doors for us, He opens them. And once the door is open, friend, walk through it. Walk by faith, knowing that the kingdom of this world may reject you, but we're not citizens of this world. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven will never reject us. Now let's consider our last parable. Let us consider the kingdom and its increase. The kingdom is incre- of God is increasing. Finally, we turn to the parable, to our last parable for today, the parable of the mustard seed. A mustard seed is remarkable for how small it is. Jesus loved to use the mustard seed as an allegory for something that is unassuming, but that would prove to be incredibly large once fully grown. We don't see a lot of mustard trees around us, but perhaps a parallel for our experience here would be an acorn to an oak tree. This parable is a word of encouragement to Jesus' disciples. This is a word of encouragement to us today. The kingdom of God may seem small at its inception, but you will outgrow and overtake every kingdom on earth. It is a good reminder for us today, isn't it? Society around us is not impressed with the kingdom of God. It has rejected its rule in clear ways. And although most people would say that they at least like Jesus, the Jesus they like is a caricature of the Jesus of the Bible. But the kingdom of Jesus, our king, will one day encompass all the earth. History will vindicate our faith. This is what Jesus is saying here. The kingdom of God is alive and well in our hearts today, but the prophet Habakkuk reminds us that you will not just remain in our hearts. Habakkuk 2.14, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters over the sea. Paul reminds us that therefore God has highly exalted Christ and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. 
no exceptions. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is how far the kingdom of Christ will expand. We'll cover all of creation, Habakkuk tells us. And we will drive every knee and tongue on earth. Like a tree that starts small, size of a mustard seed, but one day becomes the largest tree in the garden, large enough to house, provide shade to the birds of the air, so will God's kingdom be. Friends, today, we Christians in a godless society, we are a prophetic minority. We're a small group proclaiming a message of condemnation lest, lest our society turns to Christ. We proclaim the hope of the kingdom to a world who largely refuses it. But this will not be the case forever. How could Jesus be so sure that his kingdom would grow and fill all the earth? Because his kingdom would be based on the work that he would accomplish. Even as the disciples heard this message, the kingdom was yet increasing. The king was leading his people. But friends, this king is different than the kings from the world. The king, King Jesus, unlike other kings of this earth, is humble. He did not come to be served by the citizens of his kingdom. No, he came to serve them. The kingdom of Jesus is made up of those who were once enslaved to sin, to Satan, to selfishness. The citizens of this kingdom were accursed because in their hearts they rejected the king. But humbled, patient King Jesus came and walked with those whom he loved. He taught them. He instructed them. But most importantly, he offered his life in exchange for theirs. Friends, the kings of this earth live to be served, but the king of God's kingdom, King Jesus, is merciful. So he offers himself, his life, in exchange for the rebellious Citizens of his kingdom. You know, it's interesting. When you play the game of chess, you sacrifice any piece to make sure your king stays alive. In chess, when the king dies, you lose. But in the kingdom of God, the king sacrifices himself for his people. In the kingdom of God, when Jesus Christ died, we found life. We live because when he dies, he takes upon himself our sin. 
That is the benefit of the kingdom. Friends, this is how you enter the kingdom of God. Recognize your sin. Recognize your rebellion against the king. Confess your sin to him and he will give you himself. Jesus shared many other parables with his disciples and the crowds, but but his disciples understood the secrets of his kingdom. Friends, when Jesus gives himself, he gives himself to those who are his, to the citizens of his kingdom. So today, you heard the message of the kingdom. You heard the mystery of the kingdom that grows as the king dies. But friend, I I don't want you to stop there. The king of this kingdom does not stay dead. He rises and reigns. He rules. And he's now calling all people to come under his rule. He calls all to experience his kingdom as His will rules over their hearts. So the question, as we consider these three parables of the kingdom, is have you entered the kingdom of God? Is Jesus Lord over your life? If you confess your sins and trust in His sacrifice and in the power of His resurrection, Do you rule over your actions and desires? Or does Jesus rule over them? Friend, the day is coming when all will bow before Christ willingly or unwillingly. But today, it is still a day of invitation. Will you hear Jesus' word The words of the kingdom, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for King Jesus who did not come to be served, who came to serve. Lord, we did not enter this kingdom because of our deserving works. Or even because of our great love and desire for Christ. No, Lord, we enter this kingdom because the light of Christ, the the light of God was shined in our eyes in the face of Christ. 